Thanks for joining us for today's sermon on the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan. I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick, and we're so excited that you're going to check out today's message. Our prayer is that each week the message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you connect to God, maybe in a brand new way. We also pray that you connect with us as a community, that it doesn't stop just with your connection with God, but it gives you an opportunity to connect with the people at the Brick Church. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let's jump into today's message. Uh, all right, so we're starting a new series today uh, called Do Hard Things. And um, when I was thinking about the series, uh, I actually was planning for it, doing it in January. I was like, I felt like God dropped it in my heart. I want to do this series. It's going to be really challenging. God, that's a good series. That's a perfect January series. New Year's resolutions, perfect time to talk about doing hard things. Step up, hit your resolutions. And I kept trying to figure out the next series for us. I was like praying about it. All right, God, what's, let me think of all the other stuff I can do. And this kept coming up until eventually I was like, I'll, I'll have to do it now, God, right? Like just, just on my heart. He didn't talk audibly to me in that moment. If he did, that'd be dope, but he doesn't. Uh, just on my heart. And uh, I realized, what I realized, what I felt like he was placed in my heart is um, you can't wait for the right season to do hard things. You can't just like, well, once the holidays are over or once, once the New Year's, it, it'll always be the next moment or next time. And so as though I, I, don't, I don't dislike resolutions, I actually love the restart, the refresh. I love what that season can be. Um, but you can't wait to do hard things when God has called you to do them now. So I want to challenge you in the middle of the beginning of the holidays uh, to start to think about doing hard things, to think about what God has called you to do and how you're called to do hard things. So um, what I believe in this series is that you're going to find out that the, the breakthrough God has for you, like the, the next amazing thing God wants for in your life is most likely on the other side of the hard step that you're afraid to take. The hard, difficult step, like you could probably assess your next step by what is the good thing that I'm scared to do next. Like if you're just processing, praying, like, all right, God, what you want me to do next? And you were just to slow down long enough, you'd probably find out your next step is the hard thing that you're afraid to do. And we have got to decide that we're gonna do the hard right thing over the easy wrong thing. Here's what scripture says, and this is one of our key verses for this series. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Uh, one prophet in the 90s said it this way, I ain't never scared, I ain't never scared. So you all know, and I'm just like, what are you talking about? I ain't prophet, I ain't never, uh, that's 90s rap for you. Uh, Bone Crusher was the prophet's name, in case you want to look it up. Don't look it up, the lyrics aren't appropriate. Uh, but like, like maybe, maybe you do need to get your inner Bone Crusher, okay? Don't go look up the lyrics. But maybe you just need that one verse, I ain't never scared. Like that's your model for this series, for the season of your life, for maybe the rest of your life that like, I will not live scared. I, I'll see Goliath and recognize what's true. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you're not going to be scared, but I'm not going to live scared, right? This verse says he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Uh, there's translations say timidity, uh, that he hasn't given us a spirit of cowardice, that, that we're not going to live out of fear, right? That we're going to step into the next thing God has called us to and to step up to all that God has called us to. It means that sometimes you're afraid of the Goliath in your life and it looks so big and so terrifying. And yet you have to face it head on, believing that your God is bigger than your Goliath, that whatever you're afraid of, your God is bigger than that thing. And I get this, that sometimes uh, for other people, your Goliath won't look like Goliath. Your next big step might seem too small for you. It might seem silly to you. Like the next big thing that you're called to do, God, I'm going to do it. And it's like, you go to say it out loud, that shouldn't be that scary, but you're terrified. Still the thing. 
Just because it's not big for somebody else doesn't mean it's not a major step for you. Doesn't mean that it's not exactly what you're called to do. When you are terrified of the next hard right thing that you're supposed to do, that's the call. That's the next step that you're going to do. All right, so to look at today, to start with our series today, uh, I want to look at a moment where I think Jesus had a hard step to take, like a really difficult step to take. Um, There's a moment where uh, Jesus is getting some news. And uh, to give you a little backstory about this news, there are three people that um, were his tight friends, like close friends. They weren't his disciples, but they were really close to him. Um, There's a lady named Mary. And Mary is the one who, who broke the perfume on Jesus' feet and wept at his feet. Um, there was Martha, who was her sister. Um, if you're familiar with the story, uh, Martha is the one that's very busy doing stuff. She's got all kinds of stuff to do. And Mary's the one that sits at his feet. And Martha's like, Jesus, tell Mary to do something. And Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to do that, actually. You might need to sit at my feet. Um, and then uh, they had a brother named Lazarus. Um, and in this moment, um, he's about to get some news that Lazarus is sick. Okay, so let's check it out in uh, John chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. It says, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence when scripture puts these two things right back to back. He loved them and yet he stayed. He loved them and yet he stayed. When you find out bad news about somebody, especially if you have the ability to heal that somebody that's sick, especially if you have the ability to help that somebody, if somebody's in need that you love and you don't want to go to them immediately, I would suggest maybe there's something wrong with you. I would suggest maybe you don't love them as much as you think you do. If you have the power in your hands to to heal, to bring deliverance, to do something, someone in your family is thirsty, I'm really thirsty, I'm going to die of thirst, help me, help me, you got water in your hand, you would immediately want to run to them and give them the water they need, the food that they need. Part of your decision to love and understanding of how you love people is trying to be there when they need you most. And yet, Jesus stayed. Jesus waited. So today, um, for those of us who maybe like the idea of this series, like you're like, oh, cool, do hard things. I really like challenges. I want to, I want to do the the next step that God's called me to. Give me, give me the next thing. I'm really excited. Like that's my personality. When I think about do hard things, I'm excited about, hey, challenge me, kick me in the rear. I really want to know what I'm doing. That's stupid. What I need to do. That's next. Give me the next big Goliath thing that I'm supposed to take down. For those of you who are wired like me, you might find out that the next big step is to wait. The, the next major giant that you're supposed to take out, the next major thing you're called to do might just be to wait. To just wait on God and to trust God in a season where all you want to do is drive forward. You want to go further fast. You want to go quick. You want to do all the things really fast. And yet you're called to wait and to trust him in a season where you'd like to just stay busy. You'd like to just stay distracted. You'd like to just move forward as fast as you can, put the, be- the pedal to the metal, goes further as far as fast as you can, and God is saying, hold on, wait. I imagine this season for Jesus was extremely difficult to wait. Uh, there, there's other moments that we're going to get to in the story that prove that it was difficult for him. There was this difficult season, a difficult moment. Um, but what you might be saying about Jesus' hard thing to do is that, well, like he kind of knew right? Like he had foreknowledge. Some of you know the story, you know about Lazarus. Lazarus is going to get his deliverance, but Jesus is still waiting, right? Jesus seems to know what is about to take place. Now, I think there are parts of scripture where Jesus doesn't know the outcome of everything because of his human nature that he was gifted with, but this seems to indicate in this story, he knew what he was about to do for Lazarus. And so the excuse might be, well, like it might be, it couldn't have been that difficult for Jesus because he knew. He knew that it was going to turn out okay because he trusted God. And for some of us, you may not know the exact outcome of your situation the way Jesus 
knew the exact outcome, but you do know the areas that you're called to wait in, to slow down in, to sit in. You know those. You know that you can trust your heavenly father to do right by you if you'll just slow down long enough to just pause and to feel. Jesus may have known the outcome of Lazarus' story, but you know the things you're supposed to pause and wait in. Like simple things. We get too busy, too, like we just want to do stuff instead of pausing and diving into scripture to begin our day. Instead of slowing down and having a moment of worship to connect with God in our week. Instead of slowing down and waiting on God and trusting that like God will take care of it if I just trust him with my time. Instead of like really prioritizing the community, the body of Christ, and we go so busy, we book ourselves over and over and over and over and over again until we're so busy we have no time for the things of God. We know that there are moments where we need to pray and we need to have a conversation with God. And yet, because it's difficult, because the hardest thing for some of our personalities is to slow down, have a conversation with God, we avoid it. We, we look better to the outside world, right? For those of us who are really driven to do stuff, you seem super busy and people are impressed with you. But I don't think God is. When you know good and well, you're called to wait and to pause. And the hardest thing you can do is just slow down long enough to hear God, to feel God, to trust God in a season of waiting, right? There, there may be areas of your life where you know God is calling you to just say no to some things at work, right? Like you, you don't need the extra hours. You're not in debt up to your ears. Your family's doing okay. And yet you keep taking extra hours because the slowdown with your family feels like it's like, oh, I can't do that. That's too much time. It's too much quiet time. It's too much me time. It's too much family time. I might get stressed out. I might get anxious in those moments. And God is saying, you know what? Your family matters more than the extra hours, the extra cash. You don't need it in this season. You might need to slow down long enough to say no to, to the next big thing for your house, the next big thing for a new vehicle, the next big promotion that you need. Let's, maybe God is calling you in this season to just say no to a few things, to pause long enough to feel the presence of God, the call of God, but we drive too fast. We go too quick. We move too quick because we don't want to slow down. We don't want to feel that. Most of us, sometimes we're going to want to not pause because if we pause, we have to feel. If we have quiet time, downtime, silence, we've got to feel things that we're not ready for. But the promise is that there is uh, something to the waiting. That God will give you the strength to wait and then give you the strength to go further, faster with him. It says it like this in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They, will, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This, is, uh, this, this word wait, um, it's in the Old Testament, so it's a Hebrew word. And the way it shows up is not a passive waiting, right? Like for the personality types that I'm really, really wrestling with today, um, th this, is, this makes sense. Okay, active waiting I can do, right? But for, for those of you who maybe have justified bad behavior where you're just waiting on God and God is trying to wait on you, God is saying like, no, I've already called you to do so. I've already called you to go a direction. But for those of us who know in this season, I've got to slow down and hear God, feel God, experience what I'm supposed to experience in this season. For those of us in that boat, it's an act of waiting. When you're waiting on God the way Isaiah wants you to waiting, wait on God, is that, that word is used over and over again like a, a watchman. Uh, that's set up on a watch post for the military, waiting, actively waiting on the things of God, the call of God. It is an active waiting that we sit and we wait on God because we know that he's coming at some moment, but we have to be prepared. 
It doesn't do you any good to be out in the field doing stuff when you're supposed to be at the post waiting. It doesn't do you any good to be out being busy in the town when you're supposed to be waiting on the the next signal from God, the next move. So where you're supposed to be at some seasons is waiting on what God has called you to do. And in the waiting and in that moment of waiting, God says, if you'll wait, if you'll wait, if you'll pause long enough to hear me, feel me, see me and experience what I'm calling you to experience in this season... I will renew your strength, right? You think that you, you just got to do it all. You got to fix it all. You got to solve it all. You've got to get all this stuff yourself. And God is saying, no, no, I'll take care of the strength. I'll take care of the progress. I'll take care of the next steps for your family. I'll take care of the next steps for your finances. If you'll trust and do it my way, I will renew strength that you thought you lost. I will make you go further faster than you ever thought you could. Like the, the, the people that would normally run and faint, no, no, they're not going to faint this time because they waited on me and trusted me and paused long enough to get the healing and the health that they were called to have in their body. And they went further, faster than anybody else. You're going to walk and not grow weary. Just keep walking, keep walking, keep going because you waited on God's timing and his direction in your life. If you're like me, this waiting season is a nightmare. Right? The, the, the idea of waiting on God and, and pausing things and slowing down long enough to feel God and hear God um, can be a nightmare. And the reason that you're probably afraid to wait and to pause and to feel is uh, we're probably avoiding some emotions that God is wanting to work out in us. We're avoiding the, the reality of the situations in our life that we really are helpless in. Right? For some of us, we, we like the deception that we live in, that we got control of everything. We like the deception that we can just fix it all. If I just go fast enough, hard enough, if I just do it long enough, I'm going to fix this thing at my work. If I just, just work on it hard enough, I'm going to fix my marriage. I'm going to fix my kids. I'm going to fix my finances. If I just, just do it better, right? I remember sitting down at times at different staff uh, locations, and sometimes we'd have conversations about what we're going to do next uh, in the church. And I remember hearing this, hey, we just need to do better. I don't know if you've ever heard that feeling. Like you go to your work and you just sit down and you're like, hey, you know what we, got, we need to do? We need to do better. Like, oh, cool, cool. That sounds like fun. Let's just do better. That, that's not, uh, now that you said that, I'm just going to do better. I didn't even know that we were trying to do better. Now that you just told me that we should do better, we'll just do better, right? Like, uh, that is not how it works. How do we do better? That's the question. How do we do better in this next season? And sometimes when you don't know how to do better, I don't know if you've ever watched a post-game press conference on a coach that lost. And like, there's a game they shouldn't lose. And they're like, man, we just got to, we just got to play harder. That's what we got to do. You know, like we just got to run better plays. Like it, it, our offense has to score more points and our defense has to stop the other team from scoring points. Wow. We see why you're the head coach. Like, oh, that's, that is brilliant. We all knew that. Like every, people who've never even watched football before have seen that and understand that. But how? How are you going to do that? How are you going to score more points? How are you going to stop them from scoring points? How are you going to do this thing? And the way that God, for many of us, is telling us to do the next hard thing, it is to wait and do it his way, not yours. To, to relinquish the deception of control in your life and trust his ways more than you trust your own ways. Because when Jesus said he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus and then heard Lazarus was sick, the brother was sick, when he heard that he was sick, he waited because he trusted God's ways over his own emotions. He trusted the, the direction of God. Like his love compelled him to go. His love would have compelled him to run to Lazarus. From most scholars suggest he was only about a day's, a day's journey away. 
And yet he stayed two more days just hanging out. And he's got another day he's got to travel with. He just paused and waited in that moment. And for some of us, we're avoiding the reality of the situation. And God is saying, you've got to trust me and my process. And there are some things that you might feel helpless in. There are some things that you don't have control over. There are some things you need to be able to emotionally relinquish control rather than trying to live in the deception of control. To think you can control the weather, to think that you can make your business go perfect, to think that you can fix everything when the reality is we're not that big, we're not that important, we're not that smart. We desperately need him, but we like the deception of the control and we are avoiding the feelings of helplessness. We're avoiding, like the next hard thing for some of us is just to feel what's true. Just to feel like, ooh, I'm in your hands, God. I don't like that because I want to be in my own hands. I want to trust my own direction. I want to be strong enough, fast enough. But God is saying, no, 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 I need you to be dependent on me. I need you to hear what I'm telling you to do and trust me more than you trust your own strength. To trust my ways more than you trust your own understandings. To trust me. And we're avoiding the feelings that God has called us to feel. The feelings that might bring some healing and some connection to the people around us. See, there, one of the things and one of the reasons I know uh, this was difficult for Jesus is because of how Jesus felt. Um, it tells us one of, the only, one of the few times in Scripture where we really get a sense for the way Jesus experienced humanity. Like the, the, like the depth of it. Like Scripture tells us uh, later on that, it, that he was tempted in all the same ways we were. Like he, he felt what it was like to be fully human. And in this moment, you can see his full humanity on display. So Jesus is, is uh, waiting two more days. And then it's, it's about time to go. And he's telling the disciples, hey, you know, Lazarus isn't sick. He's asleep. And they don't understand what he's saying because he's trying to say he's dead. They don't get it. The disciples are like, well, that's, that's good. Like when you sleep, it helps you heal up. It makes total sense. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Let me just be clear. Jesus, uh, Lazarus is dead. And we're going to go. Uh, they, they, they don't get it to the degree that uh, one of his disciples, Thomas, is like, oh, cool. So we, we're going to go die with him. Hold up. Thomas, what's, what's, what happened to you in your childhood that that's the direction you go when Jesus has gone? Like, we're going to, oh, cool, time to die. That's what I was looking forward to. That's why I followed you, Jesus. It's time to die. So maybe people aren't going to understand your waiting season. Maybe the people closest to you won't get and understand the moments that you have to pause, slow down, feel and heal and go the direction and the dependency you need with Jesus. They don't all understand it. And so Jesus keeps going. He's like, all right, we're going. So they go. They take their journey. They get to Lazarus. And um, Lazarus is dead, just like Jesus said. Lazarus is dead. He's been in the grave for four, four days. Um, there's some Jewish tradition to uh, the, the significance of four days because three days and before they felt like somebody could be raised from the dead. That wasn't really that significant. But death had really set in after four. And so uh, this, this moment is suggesting that like he's going to express his power in a new way. And uh, Jesus knows what he's about to do. It seems pretty clear that he knows what he's about to do based on his prayer afterwards and what he's about to do and show to everybody around him. And yet... In that moment, when he steps into it, he, he, he sees Martha first, and then he sees Mary. Um, and when he steps up into the moment where everybody around him is crying, when they're weeping because someone they love is in the grave, and they're sad because Jesus didn't get here quick enough to heal Lazarus, they're devastated. Jesus responds this way in John chapter 11, verse 33. It says, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. Uh, Jesus knows, like he's about to pray a prayer to indicate what he's about to do. 
Um, and he knows what he's about to do. And yet, in the moment of seeing the heartache and the humanity around him and the pain that they're going through, he groaned. And he was troubled. Like the word troubled uh, gets translated a lot of different ways in the New Testament, or at least this particular word. Um, and it's almost like an anxious, like a deep troubling, like a real worry, a real concern, which is kind of weird and counterproductive to our own theology. Like, can God have anxiety? That doesn't even make sense. How do you even do that? And yet Jesus felt that. The way that we felt at different times in our life, anxious and worried and troubled and anxious and worried for the people that are around him and the love that he had for them, he groans deep inside of his spirit for them. He doesn't just do it once. In this moment, the, the, the next verse in verse 35, it says he wept. So this groaning, this anxiousness, this whatever this is that Jesus is feeling troubled, it makes sure to let you know three times that he feels the deepest of human emotions. It says he wept. And then it says again, he goes up to that moment and he groans again in his spirit. Three times it lets us know the human emotion, the depth of it. Listen, Jesus knows what's about to happen in this story. Jesus knows what he's about to do for Lazarus and how it's going to open some eyes of people around him. And yet Jesus takes time to stop and to feel. That's not how I would do it. <laughs> That's why I'm not the son of God. Because I'll be like, hold up. I'm like, I got you guys. What is it? Dry your eye, girl. I'm watching watch what I'm about to do. Watch, watch what I'm about to do. You about to see? Hey, 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 hey. Get her a tissue because she's about to stop crying. So I'm about to show up. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Wait for it. I'll be like, I'd have like fireworks in the background too. Be like, boo, boo, boo. Roll the stone. All right, y'all ready? Y'all ain't seen nothing yet. All right, that's how I would do it. <laughs> that's psycho. Uh, desperate need for attention. All right, so what would happen in that moment would not be, it would be like, oh, good for you, Jesus. Like, cool, you know what's going to happen. Thanks for making us suffer. But Jesus in this moment feels what they feel. And so many times we're avoiding feeling what God has called us to feel because we think it makes us look strong. But the strongest man I've ever heard of in history, the one who is willing to take the worst beating that I've ever seen in history and had the ability to get out of it but took it for us, that man wept. He groaned. He was troubled. That man let Jesus, the Son of God, let everyone else around him see his emotions, see his weeping. What, what our society would like to suggest is a weakness. Jesus is telling us with his action is a strength. To let people see you feel something. To let people see you hurt when you hurt. To let people see that you care enough about what they're going through that you'll stop long enough to cry with them. And if I'm honest, men were sometimes the worst. I'm the worst. I'll just say me. I'm not going to come at you. Wives, don't elbow your husband right now. This ain't the time for it. Uh, I'll just talk about me. Sometimes I want to go immediately into solution mode. I want to fix things, right? Woo, roll away the stone. Dry your eye, girl. I got the solution for you. Let me fix this for you. And that's not what Jesus did. I want to go straight to the solution. I know the answer. Jesus knows the answer. Like when I know the answer, I just think I know the answer. You know, most of the time I'm wrong. I feel like Jesus is out to prove me wrong. I actually think that's what he's doing just to mess with me. Most of the time I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm still convinced I'm right. I'm still coming out like my wife has a problem. Like, oh, girl, don't cry. Let me fix this for you. Here's what you do. We got a one, two, three, four-step program. Here's how you're going to do it. And then on Tuesday, we're going to do it this way. Then we're going to try it again. I got three ways to try this. We're going to fix it one way or another. And Jesus knows the solution of what he's about to do. And yet he pauses and feels what they feel. Sometimes... The, the pausing and the waiting is for you. You need to feel some things that you've been avoiding. You need to feel some things that you've been avoiding so hard, so long that God is saying, I need you to feel and get healing over this. 
I need you to feel what's true about your sadness and your trauma long enough to get over it and heal it. Not push it down, but get over it and really deal with it and experience it and feel it. And sometimes you need to slow down long enough to feel and to cry with others because you can show them how much you love. You can show them that you care, long, uh, you care enough to sit with them and cry with them if they need to. Scripture tells us to mourn with those who mourn. That, that we can pause long enough before we go to solution mode, before we go to fix it mode, before we go to move on mode, we stop and we feel and we let people in to our emotions. If Jesus can weep, if Jesus needs to weep, if that's something a part of his humanity, why is it not a part of ours? To slow down and let someone see us cry. Let someone in to the emotion and the insecurity and the vulnerability and the struggle. I've sat down with a lot of people that are going through crazy stuff. Like, I'm, I mean, just, I've, I've sat down with enough people as a pastor to hear just tragedy after tragedy. And I'll sit down and they're like, I just, I'm so sorry I'm crying. Like, I'm, why are you apologizing right now? Like, you just explained a terrible tragedy to me. You should be crying. I'm so sorry. Like, and then before we get to the end, they talk about a parent. Like, I shouldn't be crying right now. I just need to suck it up. I just need to toughen it up. And they'll tell me about a parent that they never saw cry. Well, my mom went through this, this, and this, and I never saw her cry. My dad went through this, this, and this, and I've never seen him really struggle at all. So, like, why am I struggling? No, no, they might have suppressed it. The alcohol might have helped them cope with it. The addiction that they went through might have helped them deal with it. Their, their, their workaholic nature probably helped them avoid the emotion, but they were feeling it. They were just feeling it behind closed doors. They were suppressing it or feeling it, but sometimes you needed to, they needed to let you see it. Sometimes our kids need to see what it looks like to hurt, needs to see what it looks like to care, need to see what it looks like to really feel some things so that they know when they go through it, they're allowed to feel it. They're allowed to experience difficulty. They're allowed to be scared. They're allowed to, do, to, to feel all of those range of emotions to get healing. And the reason we avoid it, the reason we run from it, if we're honest, and I'm going to try to be as blunt and as clear as I can, because this is for me, right? I, most of my messages are God just preaching to me, and you get to hear it. Um, but this one specifically is for me. And I'm going to not hold any punches back if you're, if you're built like me. If you, if you have a wiring like me and my personality, you're like, ooh, let's do hard things. Let's take down giants. And then all of a sudden you're like, you tricked me, bro. Like waiting, that's the do hard thing. That's not what I came for. I came for like the challenge, the Goliath, the thing, the inspiration. That's not me. If you're like me, this is what you need to hear. Um, and the reason that I'm avoiding those moments of sadness is, is if I'm honest, I'm scared. The reason you're avoiding the vulnerability is because you're afraid that people are going to see the real you, the one that's scared, the one that doesn't have it all together, the one that doesn't have all the power. And, and you think that that's going to make them think less of you, but you might find out they think more of you. Because if I can see Jesus and see him weep and have more respect for the fact that he loved that deeply, how much more will your family look at you and go, thank you. Thank you for showing me you. Thank you for revealing to me that we don't all do it on our own, that we all need Jesus, that we all need something to be dependent on. We all need something to be dependent on. And I'm, I'm challenging you to recognize that you just are scared, right? If, we're, if, if, if you're wired like me, then you might be afraid and too afraid to admit it. 
right? The reason you're not feeling what you need to feel and pausing is because you're scared. And until you admit that it's just cowardice, you're just too afraid, you're just being a coward, you will not move on and do what you need to do. You got all the excuses in the world. I'm just too busy. I got this thing. I don't need to do this other stuff. And God is saying, pause, wait, feel, hold on for a moment. Let me do something. I'm working some things out behind the scenes. If you'll just slow down long enough to feel, but you're going to have to be brave. Bravery is not about how, how amazing you are and how much courage you have. Bravery, in my opinion, is, is the ability to do the right thing when you're scared. Bravery is doing the right thing even when you're scared. I don't, I'm not that impressed with people who just run to the battlefield, who just go do the thing, and they're not scared at all. That's not that impressive. Actually, most of the time, it's stupidity, right? The people who are never scared are usually just stupid. You know what I mean? Like, they're just like, oh, you don't know that you should be afraid of that. That's, that's cool. Um, but for those of us who realize what it looks like to be brave, we've seen real bravery. It's the person who is terrified of their next step, and they do it anyway. That's real bravery. So if you're terrified of the waiting, if you're terrified of the emotions, the vulnerability, the next brave thing you can do is to not live in fear, but to step up and be brave and do it scared. Do the next right thing, even when you're scared, even with your hands shivering, tears running down your face, you're terrified of the Goliath that's in front of you. And the Goliath just happens to be, slow down, feel some emotions. Slow down, feel what I've called you to feel. So let's go back to our, our main scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Let's admit we're afraid, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God is not dissing us for being afraid. He's saying he didn't give you a spirit of fear. It, the fear doesn't control your next steps. What controls your next step is the love and the power and the, the clarity of thought that you have and what God has called you to do next. That's what controls us. That's the thing that we step into next. That's the thing that we step into full force. We jump all the way in because God didn't make me afraid. I have fear, but fear does not have me that I'm going to choose to do the next thing. And so you may be wrestling through this series and through this moment, like, what am I supposed to do? And when you're resistant to the next thing, just pause for a moment. What am I afraid to do most? What's the next step that I'm most afraid of? And do that thing. The next good thing God has called you to do that you're most afraid of, do that thing. And for some of you today, you're realizing that it's time to step into the next hard thing, which is waiting and feeling. It might be that you do this in life groups tonight. You show up at 4.30 and you sit around with a group of people and you just are honest for the first time. You don't have the people to share with, to cry with. This is the group. They're going to be here. They're going to have all the, the open doors for you to have a conversation. They want to see you win. They love Jesus too. They want to see you succeed. Be vulnerable. Share like, here's what I'm scared of. Here's what I'm terrified about. Here's what I'm scared to feel. Here's what I went through as a kid. Here's what I wrestled through. And you're going to find out that on the other side of your fear is the power, the love, and the clarity of thought God has called you to have. Maybe you're scared of the hard conversation you need to have. Maybe you're scared of the hard, difficult thing you know you need to say to your spouse or to your kids or to your boss at work. And you need to have a hard conversation, a loving, kind, but difficult conversation where you say, this isn't working. Maybe, maybe we need to go see a therapist together. Maybe we need to have a, a, a conversation about how we run our household. Maybe we need to do whatever that next thing is that you need to do in that hard conversation. Do it scared. I'm afraid to say this. You admit it if you have to. I'm so terrified to have this conversation with you, but I need to let you know some things I'm going through and some things I'm wrestling with that I've just been trying to cover up. You might find out that you need to have a hard conversation with a pastor. You need to admit to some things to the people that love you the most. 
You might need to say no to all the busyness in your life and say yes to slowing down and spending this moment with your family because it's going to be gone like that. There are a lot of things that you might be afraid of. I'll tell you mine. I uh, avoid like the plague, and you can judge me for this. You got full permission because you're going to anyways. Um, I avoid as often as I can, as, as frequently as I can, I avoid moments of intimate worship. I know, your pastor, I apologize. Uh, we got a list of great churches in town. If you're looking for a new one, I totally understand. I get it. Uh, but like, that's just, I naturally avoid it. Like there are some routines where I have to have it, right? And on Sunday, I have to do it. It's, it's a part of the routine. I'm here. I get that moment of worship and I'm like, oh, now I'm crying. I don't want to cry. I don't like feeling things. There, and then uh, I get a reminder every year of how necessary it is during a fast that we do at the beginning of the year called the Daniel fast. And part of that fast incorporates a lot of worship into my life. And in those moments, what I feel is what I've been missing all the previous year. Just like a, a, like a, like a drop of water in a dry desert. Like, why am I not doing this all year? Oh, because you're scared. You don't like to feel helpless. You don't like to feel out of control. You don't like to feel powerless. But when you're in a moment of worship, when you're in a moment with God, you realize your humanity and your weakness and how big and great he really is. And those tears and the moment that you feel is worth it. That drop in the desert, the dryness of your soul, the feelings to slow down long enough for me. A lot of it's worship. Like I need to go for more drives where I put on some worship music. I need to stop long enough to feel those things and let God bring healing because I know what's on the other side. I know what he can do even if I'm scared. I know what he's going to do through it. I know how he's going to use it because he's done it over and over again. So whatever yours is, just know that on the other side, of the thing you're afraid of, the waiting, the feelings, the emotions, the pause, is a victory like no other. Your next hard thing could be the biggest victory you've ever seen in your life. See, up to this moment, Jesus has done some cool things. And after this moment of waiting for him, the moment of emotion for him, he did the most amazing miracle he did in all of his ministry. The most amazing miracle that led to the clarity of his divinity, like who he really was is revealed and how much power he has is revealed in the fact that he doesn't have to wait on somebody to only be dead before three days. He can do it at four. He has an authority like no other. And so he walks onto that scene. And many of you know the end of this story. He tells him, hey, roll, roll back that stone. Like, hold up, Jesus. He's been there four days. I don't know if you know this, but he's going to stink. We don't, are you sure you want to? He's like, just roll the stone away. They roll the stone away. And he calls the man by his name, Lazarus, come forth. And the thing that was dead, after the waiting, after the emotion, the thing that was dead now came back to life. And for many of you, after the waiting, after the emotion, God is going to bring some things that you thought were dead that could never come back. Like they're gone. They just, it's, it's been longer than three days. I can't, you can't bring that back. You can't restore that thing to my life. God is saying in this moment, if you will pause long enough, trust me long enough, relinquish power long enough to me, you'll find out that I'll do healing and bring deliverance in ways you could have never expected. And he'll say, finances come forth. Some things you thought you were gone, they were gone. I can't ever, I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm just going to work until I pass out dead. God is going to say, no, 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 I got you. Slow down. Trust me, I got you. Some things in your life that you just didn't know what to do. You thought you were stuck. You just had two options. And God, in the, po in the pause, in the waiting, in the emotion, God is going to say, no, no, I got a thousand options for you. 
You're going to have brand new life brought to some areas that you thought were dead, some bitterness that you hung on to that you just, man, this is just what it is. I'm never going to be able to forgive my dad. I'm never going to be able to forgive that person that wronged me. I'm never going to be able to fill in the blank. God is going to say, come forward. I've got some healing. I've got some deliverance. I've got life where you thought it was dead. Lazarus, come forth. Your bitterness, get out. Your, your healing, your forgiveness come forth. God is going to do some things in your life if you will pause long enough to wait. His renewal of his strength, this brand new life. Lazarus, come forth. Is a relationship you thought couldn't. Like you, you're like, nah, we're just, we are just co-parenting right now. We are in a business transaction to raise our kids and we're just gonna get through and God has said, no, 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 that's not how I do marriage. And in the pause and in the emotion, you're gonna do some things scared and all of a sudden you're gonna come out on the other side finding out what it looks like to have a restored, healthy, thriving marriage because he says, Lazarus, come forth. You got some hopes that have died on you. I mean, just, you you put all the all the pumps back into it. You got it, it flatlined and you did all the things you could for the hopes that you had. And you're like, I just, this is life. Life is suffering. And then you're going to trust God more than you do your own emotions. And you're going to feel some things for the first time. He's going to restore hope. You got some dreams that God is bringing back to life in this very moment while you pause long enough to go to church. And he said, you know what I did through Moses while he was stuck in, out as a shepherd for 40 years? You know what I did through David while he was a shepherd? What I will do through you and bring your dreams back to life when you pause and you wait. There are some things in your life like that you just thought were dead. And God is saying, like, write the book. Somebody's got to be a bestseller. Why, why not you? Like, start the business. Somebody's got to do it. Why not you? There are some dreams that were dead. When you pause long enough, God is going to say, let's bring it back to life because they trust my ways more than their own. They trust my strength more than their own. And you're going to find out that today, the hardest thing was to say, God, I'll, I'll let you control it. Like, I'll, I'll let you steer the ship. I'll let you direct the car. I'll let you put in the navigation. And if you tell me this is a pit stop, I'll make a pit stop. My emotions say no. It feels like we should go the other direction. It feels like all of these other things. And when you give God control of even the most difficult things in your life, he brings them back to life. He brings you in a direction you didn't think you could make on your own. You didn't think you could get that far on your own. And you're like, oh, it was that moment of pause where we were able to put gas in the car so that we could actually go the distance we were called to go. For some of you today, the pause is the moment where you learn to give God control of your emotions, your actions in every area of your life. Let's pray. We're so glad you joined us for today's message. Our prayer is that God got the message you needed most today. If you're still here joining us and you're looking for an opportunity to connect to the Brick Church through giving, you can do that by texting the word BRICK to 45888. That's the word BRICK to 45888. The first time you do that, it's going to send you a link, give you the opportunity to connect that number to a credit card, debit card, or bank account. And as you connect with us and we partner together to reach people, we pray that God blesses you in your giving.